The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Anne Liao was born in Taiwan. She has lived in Australia, South Africa, and South Korea, um, and probably some other places too that I've forgotten. But uh, why she studied and now teaching communication design is because she really cares about social impact. She said that empathy is a big component of design because design is user-centered. Ever since she was young, she was quite entrepreneurial. And besides, she has a serial entrepreneurial mother. Anne's interests are very diverse because she's also interested in fashion and beauty blogging. She loves dissecting, and I'm not talking about dissecting animals, but dissecting issues and then wanting to learn more and understand more. She came back to Taiwan because her mother started a biomedical company, and so she's here to help to support through design. Let's hear more from Anne Liao today. So actually, you've only been back in town since 2017? No, no, no. I've been back since okay. 2013. So okay. 2013, I was building and prototyping, actually not even thinking I was going to go into entrepreneurship at all, right? It was really focused on just teaching children because right. I was teaching English and I was doing design simultaneously for clients. And then I thought, oh, you know, actually my teaching methods in design, I mean, design helped my teaching to okay. do better. And then it was uh, really in about 2015, I think it was World Design Capital came to Taiwan during that time. And I was like, okay, the ecosystem is developing. Mm. This is where I should be investing because I always look at the next 10 years of my life, like where I want to be. And then I backtrack, right? Uh So um, in that sense, I thought, okay, it's time for me to invest in my life. And then I started doing personal development and I thought, okay, now the tools that I've done, I want to see if people enjoy this, right? And then I had parents who, um, of my students, Mm -hmm. uh, share with me like, hey, you know, your technique is really fun. Like it's even, it's actually quite mature. I think adults would like this because it's a lot to do with fashion. Uh That anchored me into teaching adults and then officially launching my company in 2017 after having my own studio. And then it was, um, yeah, corporates. So one led to the other, led to the other. And then I started teaching at Xuexue Institute and I taught at Fuda and I mentored Fuda master students. And it was just like starting to build the ecosystem. So the first thing you came back was teaching to 9 to 12 year olds. Yeah. So at that time, like I would say within a year, that was one of my first uh, jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And this job changed my life because I've never taught 9 to 12 year olds. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, it's a fashion design class, right? Like an after school kind of activity. And I thought, okay, but I'm not in fashion. Were you teaching at a school? Yes, yes. It was an experimental elementary. 
I know it sounds like you know a kind of school that you know it's like really new. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, really? And they were so young, right? Experiment. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was actually referred by a friend of mine who worked in fashion, and she oh. said, "Anne, I think you really like kids. You would suit this." And I said, "But I'm not in fashion." Uh-huh. But once I got in, I became really invested uh-huh. in like learning, right? More from like the psychology perspective and also from the communications perspective. Yeah. How do I, how do I help them? You know, uh-huh. and then then. Also, I was uh, doing, you know, my waitressing as well because I need to survive. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I don't even know Chinese and I don't know how to read or write. I should practice, right? Uh-huh. And the best way is experience learning. Yeah. So if I'm a waitress, I would need to learn what's on the menu, right? And also share these different things with people. So it's training my speech. Uh-huh. So I wouldn't have been able to teach like I do now without those experiences within, you know, service, right? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. So what kind of restaurant was were you working at? A really local Chinese restaurant? Or Actually, what? I worked at three. And okay. that time it was really a big grind. At the same me. time? At the mean? same time. <laughs> so I did part time. So the thing is, I thought, okay, what... If you are like living everyday life, what actually takes up most of your time and most of your money, right? It's going to be food yes. and transportation. So mm-hmm. I only selected places that I like to eat already, uh-huh. so I can sell already, right? Because yeah. I know their food, <laughs> and uh, they had to be close in distance. I can walk there, uh-huh. and uh, it had to match. Um, you know, it had to be PT part time. Okay. So nobody can overwork me. Yeah. So it was like, you know, a full <laughs> amount of money, let's say like 120 NT an hour, right? Uh-huh. So I would go for breakfast. So it would be like a morning session, like yes. morning till afternoon. Uh-huh. And then after that, it would be um, afternoon till like night. Yes. And then I had midnight because I like to eat. Uh-huh. So there were like three spaces that I like to eat that was paying me. Uh-huh. And I didn't need a gym because I was holding, you know, plates and things like that that yeah. <laughs> forced me to work out. So it was good. It was like it's like finding the perfect. Oh, you're a planner. You think it all out before you actually do anything. Yeah. It's all yeah. so well thought out. Gosh. Yeah. And actually, most people think that I'm not. But that's when they actually see my ideas. I think, oh my gosh, this this, this could be really intense. And you know, it's probably like uh, you know, you see the risks and the fears. And I, but actually, I've been planning for a long time. Oh, like. Yeah, it's just my enthusiasm might feel like it must be something very fresh. But I only get to that. It's just because I also have a comfort zone, right? But my comfort zone is just a little bit bigger than other people. Mm. Because I've just seen too much um, when I've been growing up. So I thought, oh, you know, if not now, then when, right? (laughs) So it seems like your mind runs faster than your action. (laughs) Yes, yes. So my action is actually much slower. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. What's it been like coming back to Taiwan? Um, I think Taiwan has been just marvelous, to mm. be honest. Um, I think people, the environment, it's just a perfect space. It's like a family, right? Mm. It's, Taiwan is like known in the startup world as a community. Mm. Like not every city is like a community, but Taiwan is like that, right? Mm. You come back, it's almost like it has a town feel. It has all the, necess- like all the necessary components of a large city, mm-hmm. but it's very, very like community, you know, a lot of cafes, a lot of this like good lifestyle that you would want to build a longer time, you know, your life in. So this has really helped me create really, I mean, good relationships, good foundations mm. for, you know, the next phase of my life, which is, now because it's the next 10 years that I'm thinking right yeah I'm turning 30 this year (laughs) okay and um previously I've been building you know that business and then now because of those experiences I feel like I'm ready now for a startup and Mm. I think I think it's funny most people start off with a startup perhaps yes and then maybe they fail or they succeed but most fail right right and then they go into building their next startup right or a business right I did opposite 
Uh-huh. So I was more like building a business and then I was learning all the nits and grits, um, but nothing like going into A round or B round, right? Then now I feel like, oh, with all those experiences, the same things and same messes that you would have in a startup, I've already experienced them in the span of seven years. So I've like launched things, I've closed down things, you know, but, but my company still exists and it's still surviving. Right. And then now I feel like, yes, I, I can tackle because I have resources right. to tackle startup life. Yeah. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. So what's your startup going to be? Yeah, so my startup is, uh, is, is basically an event planning uh, company, right. a platform mm-hmm. that focuses on green technology. As I was researching, you know, the issues, um, something that came to mind was uh, how much waste uh, festivals generate, right? It was like 23,500 tons a year. As oh, a, within... Taiwan? No, a year. And in, in, in most of it is from the States, actually. Okay. Uh, this is mostly from the States. But yeah, just imagine the whole world. I think it's going to be even crazier, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Um, but, you know, as a festival, it's basically an ecosystem. So I've always been interested in sustainable smart city models, right? Mm-hmm. How does that work? But, you know, in order to get all these components to invest, people to invest in these things, it would take a long time to convince people, right? So in te- instead of telling people to go vegan or go, you know, I just want people to have a good time learning. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to develop a tool, which is something that I'm working on now. It's a platform. It's an event planning tool. Uh, it's a drag and drop a method where it's kind of like building a website, right? In the past, you have to find these amazing developers in-house, but now these websites manage these uh, tools for you drag and drop what you need and it calculates you know all the ways that you have right yeah. and then and then yeah. we'll give you suggestions of like how do you replace that right with something better and then what is the comparison between the ways right yeah and it's a perfect thing for saving time i don't believe that people are innately bad or they want to create like horrible things um i think we're just kind of lazy you know and mm. i'm definitely not an exception mm. you know and it's for the lazy it's like a four or four dummies right but i don't think anyone's dumb either so <laughs> <laughs> just uh, easy, an easy platform to to create social impact and change. Yeah. Wow. So this is going to be a one person startup. No, no. Uh, what <laughs> I alone? learned, yes. Yeah. What I learned was, um, as a solo entrepreneur for uh-huh. like seven years. I mean, we have different partnerships within different industries, right? But I feel like m- that is like my baby, right? Uh-huh. So a lot of people, when they first make a startup, it's like that's their baby, right? But right. now it's not really. I've already, right. I have mine yeah, yeah. that is not getting sold. Right. But then now I'm, I'm happy to build something else for everyone to enjoy. Okay. And then in the future, if I do end up selling it or if I, you know, do something else with it, I feel okay because, because there is like that clear goal and vision in mind that the purpose of this is not to just like make myself feel good or something. It's really about serving a bigger purpose and, a, and an impact. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And now I'm looking back on how I introduced you. Social entrepreneur who runs an education and design group focused on green technology and innovation. You've pretty much covered everything that's <laughs> you know understood within this one sentence here. It's amazing. You're so, you know, it seems like your life is a lot of fun and exciting. Yeah, your mind's always moving mm. on the run, it looks like. Mm. So where do you want to go from here with your life? Actually, um, I thought about this a lot. Maybe it's because I'm turning 30. And as a 30-year-old woman... Think about? <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, you know, I think now... Um, my Let's talk about my fears, right? I made 30... Um, fears that I have. Okay. And um, one thing that I'm tackling this year is actually singing in public. 
I'm oh, extremely afraid of saying. I'm so surprised to hear this because it's so different from. I thought you were going to say something's related no. to what you've been doing. Because I think that personal, you know how like mind, body, spirit, uh-huh. right? So I feel like in terms of you know business, and I'm less afraid of failure in mm. that section because I know that. You know, no matter what happens, as long as I'm living, right? There's always going to be chances. That's actually a personal motto okay. of mine. But you know, things like sharing my art because I've always loved drawing, right? And like illustrating, I illustrate poetry and like all these different things. I love, I love cooking. I'm a homebody, and you know, even like getting people, like even inviting people guests to my house and cooking for them was a huge fear of mine. Oh. I never felt comfortable with this. Uh-huh. It's just felt too vulnerable and personal. Do you know what I mean? Because like if they reject the food, it's really like they're rejecting you. You know what I mean? Like less of that okay. perspective. But now I've been doing that a lot more. I host um, more like dinner parties at my house. I cook for people, um, you know, and sings another one that I You're feel. the only chef? I mean, sorry, yeah, yeah, going back. Me, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Wow. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, and yeah. then what? I've always loved cooking, yeah. Feeding how many people oh, at I've, a time? I mean, I made hot pot. I mean, that's an easy way out, you know, but yeah, I yeah. did everything from scratch. So <laughs> the thing is, um, I'm a vegetarian now. Okay. Um, and coming from vegan, then vegetarian. So, you know, the whole thing is about sharing good things, right? Right. And so I had like, you know, now I do annual hot pot for Chinese New Year. Oh, so wow. from like four people, like four people, I had like 11 Okay. Including myself at my yeah. house and my little studio. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, it's been really good to be able to share that more personal side, mm. which I think I've always been quite like private about, right? Uh-huh. But I feel, you know, as, as we go along and we're more confident, I guess, with ourselves, we're able to share the other more personal side as well. Oh, so cool. that's kind of like what I'm doing now. It's yeah. more like facing those personal like fears. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. Name a few more out of your list of 30. Fears. Oh, a lot. Okay. I'll do another one that I've already done. So I've ticked seven off already out of 30. Oh, good for you. And one of them is hugging someone, a stranger. <laughs> so free hugs you see on the streets, right? Yeah. And um, I started this last year. So uh, I gave a girl a hug. She held the sign free hugs. And I was like, you know, this is all or nothing, right? right. So I just hugged her. Yeah. And I was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It just, it just, you know, the whole competence, confidence thing, right? It really comes from fear. Um, I think I've tackled my more entrepreneurial fears. Next okay. is startup, right? Uh, right. Yeah, that's a whole different, like, pitching and, like, you know, that, that all or nothing. That's really scary. <laughs> but uh, I'm ready to tackle. So that's another one. This has been a lot of fun talking thank to you, Anne. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you. I have this rule, which is a 30 minutes rule. And that's when I think about nothing. Okay, every day? Yes. Um, it can be anytime, any moment. And I just blank my mind. 30 minutes. And I think that's really, it's like kind of like meditation, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people say you have to go like peaceful and stuff like that. I could do this at a subway. Okay. I just close my eyes and I think right. of nothing. And, uh, That's and I hard. Think, and I think that really supports, you know, yeah. it's almost like conscious, like you have to tap into that. But yeah. if you allow yourself to do 30 minutes of absolutely nothing, nothing, it just makes your life so much more at peace, right? And grounded. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Well, you need that. But in the meantime, you're actually contributing a lot to society mm-hmm. with what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. And good luck with everything, all your future endeavors. Yeah, so good luck. And maybe um, I'll get you on my show, I don't know, maybe two years down the road and see what new has popped up in your life, right? I'd love to. <laughs> thank you so much. I know. All right. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Thank you.
Classic Shorts: Stories from Chinese History and Literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. Today we hear from the famous Tang Dynasty poet Li Qi. Some of his poems are featured in the 300 Tang Dynasty collection of poems. This one is called "An Old Heir." There once was a man sent on military missions, a wanderer from youth, on the Yao and Yan frontiers. Under the horse's hoofs, he would meet his foes, and recklessly risking his seven-foot body, would slay whoever dared confront. Those mustaches that bristle like porcupine quills. There were dark clouds below the hills. There were white clouds above them. But before a man has served full time, how can he go back? In Eastern Liao, a girl was waiting, a girl of fifteen years, deaf with guitar, expert in dance and song. She seems to be fluting even now, a reed song of home, filling every soldier's eyes with homesick tears. Nietzsche writes here of a farewell to my friend, Chen Zhangfu. In the fourth month, the south wind blows plains of yellow barley. Date flowers have not faded yet, and laka leaves are long. The green peak that we left at dawn, we still can see at evening, while our horses whinny on the road, eager to turn homeward. Chen, my friend. You have always been a great and good man, with your dragon's mustache, tiger's eyebrows, and your massive forehead. You have held your head high, never bowed it in the dust. After buying us wine and pledging us here at the eastern gate, and taking things as lightly as a wild goose feather, flat you lie, tipsy, forgetting the white sun. But now and then you open your eyes and gaze at a high lone cloud. The tide head of the lone river joins the darkening sky. The ferryman beaches his boat. It has grown too late to sail, and people on their way from Tun cannot go home. And people from Luoyang sigh with disappointment. I've heard about the many friends around your woodland dwelling. Yesterday you were dismissed. Are they your friends today? And here is a poem of Li Qi's on hearing Dong play the flageolet, a poem to palace attendant Fang. When this melody for the flageolet was made by Lady Tai, when long ago, one by one, she sang its eighteen stanzas, even the Tartars were shedding tears into the border grasses, and the envoy of China was heartbroken. 
turning back home with his escort. Cold fires now of old battles are gray on ancient forts, and the wilderness is shadowed with white new flying snow. When the player first brushes the shang string and the ju and the yu, autumn leaves in all four quarters are shaken with a murmur. Dong the master must have been taught in heaven. Demons come from the deep pine wood and stealthily listen to music slow, then quick, following his hand. Now far away, now near again, according to his heart. A hundred birds from an empty mountain scatter and return. Three thousand miles of floating clouds darken and lighten. A wild goose fledgling left behind cries for his flock, and a tartar child for the mother he loves. Then river waves are calmed and birds are mute that were singing. And Uzu tribes are homesick for their distant land. And out of the dust of Siberian steppes rises a plaintive sorrow. Suddenly the low sound leaps to a freer tune. Like a long wind swaying a forest, a downpour breaking tiles. A cascade through the air flying over treetops. A wild deer calls to his fellows. He is running among the mansions. In the corner of the capital by the eastern palace wall, Phoenix Lake lies opposite the Gate of Green Jade. But how can fame and profit concern a man of genius? Day and night I long for him to bring his lute again. Those are the poems of Tang Dynasty poet Li Qi. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Today we will continue focusing on the outbreak of COVID-19, a novel coronavirus that has spread rapidly around the world. Taiwan has 34 confirmed infections, including one death, since the outbreak began in Wuhan, China last December. So far, the highly contagious respiratory illness has killed over 2,800 people and infected more than 83,000, mostly in China. To better coordinate efforts and resources to curb COVID-19, the government has upgraded the Central Epidemic Command Center to Level 1, which is the highest level. Premier Su Jinchang has also directed every government agency to set up a COVID-19 task force, 
which will be supervised by each agency's deputy head. Taiwan schools reopened this week with new measures to prevent COVID-19 outbreaks. Children in Taiwan are back to school, but school life has changed. Many schools are using new ways to prevent disease, like these dividers. At Daja Elementary School, every student has their own divider to prevent the spread of viruses through airborne droplets. During lunchtime, the children keep a distance from each other when they're eating. Some schools don't allow their students to talk to each other during lunch. This mom says she's so worried about her kids going back to school, it's affecting her sleep. She used to celebrate when her kids went back to school, but now she says she has a lot more anxiety. The students need to disinfect their shoes before they enter the campus and get their temperatures checked. Windows are kept open so fresh air can come in. And now each class has a new sanitary monitor. He says his responsibility is to disinfect the classroom. From doorknobs to desktops, the sanitary monitors are in charge of keeping the classroom clean. As children play dodgeball, Taiwan schools hope they can dodge any outbreak of COVID-19. Natalie So, RTI News. Health officials teach Taiwanese children the five steps to washing one's hands as children return to school. When do we need to wash our hands? Before you eat, after you go to the bathroom, whenever you blow your nose. Dr. Chen says it's a key way to stop the spread of COVID-19 because the things we touch could be covered in germs. If we then touch our eyes, nose or mouth, we could get infected. There is a right way to wash your hands, and it's not just getting your hands wet. There are five steps to washing your hands correctly. Wet both hands with water, then scrub your hands with soap, including the palms, back, fingers, and fingernails. Then rinse both hands with water. Then wash the faucet. Then you end by wiping your hands dry. Remember to wash your hands the correct way to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Schools around Taiwan are finding creative ways to teach students how to deal with the outbreak. One school in Taipei is taking the opportunity to boost not only the students' prevention skills, but also their English. The first thing students do when they arrive at school these days is wash their hands. The children know why that's important. One child says that if you touch something dirty with your hands, you don't want to touch your face because then you could get sick. This is one thing the schools teach the students in order to keep them safe from COVID-19. One school in Taipei is also taking the opportunity to teach the kids some English. A teacher dresses up as a doctor and uses English to teach the children how to properly wash their hands. Now, instead of just learning to say, how are you, they're also learning to say, Wash my hands. Shirley Lin, RTI News. Amid the growing fears over COVID-19, the public scrambling to sanitize their homes. But what's the correct way of cleaning a home? If not done properly, the more you clean, the dirtier your home could get. Many people are worried about COVID-19 and are rushing to get the disinfectants, alcohol and bleach to clean their homes. But if you don't clean the right way, it could make things worse. For example, you can't just wipe a table in the old way. Cleaning expert Zhang Minfu says the germs won't be cleaned off that way. You need to wipe the table from top to bottom and from bottom to top. 
Also, don't spray disinfectants directly on the surface of things. Spray it on the cleaning cloth first, and use bleach to sanitize the floors after cleaning. Don't use hot water to clean bathrooms, as hot temperatures may help germs multiply. Use cold water only. Finally, wash and get new cleaning tools on a regular basis. Otherwise, the more you clean, the dirtier your home may get. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Fears over COVID-19 have pushed up sales of garlic by 20%. That's because it's thought to help boost your immunity. Will garlic give you immunity from coronavirus? This woman certainly thinks so. She says she heard that eating garlic can kill germs. In the central county of Yunlin, shoppers are scrambling to buy garlic, with sales growing by at least 20 percent. Business is booming for this garlic vendor. He says it costs $4.30 U.S. for 600 grams. That's because people are eating it to boost their immunity. There is a growing demand for garlic essence as well. Orders for garlic essence made by a farmer's union have doubled following the Lunar New Year holiday. A union staff member says the product has been out of stock for three weeks. But why the compound found in fresh garlic, Ellison, can help boost immunity? Doctors say eating too much can irritate your stomach and intestines. Last week, the cabinet passed a statute that grants leave to workers put under quarantine for COVID-19, but does not require their employers to pay them while they are away from work. More than 100 labor unions have signed a petition demanding paid leave for workers who are put in quarantine or given medical treatment for COVID-19. On Monday, several labor unions organized a protest for workers kept under quarantine amid the COVID-19 outbreak, chanting paid leave while under quarantine. Demonstrators urged the legislature to protect workers' rights. One labor union representative says that it will be unjust for workers forced into quarantine to be denied pay for a period when they cannot come into work. A representative from Hospital Workers Union agrees. She says medical workers are entitled to paid leave to begin with, saying also that medical staff are the ones fighting the outbreak on the front lines. She says that under the Communicable Disease Control Act, medical workers forced into quarantine should at least receive a minimum wage for the time they are unable to work. Protesters say that the government's quarantine measures shouldn't be turned into a punishment for those who are unable to go to work. Surgical masks are hard to come by these days in Taiwan. Demand is high in light of the COVID-19 outbreak. Now, Taiwan's Food and Drug Administration is suggesting alternatives that offer similar protection. Surgical masks are the only kind of mask proven to block 95% of the viruses in the air. That makes them the mask of choice for people looking for protection from COVID-19. But supply cannot keep up with demand, and Taiwan's government has had to ration the sale of masks. The Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, said Wednesday that they've tested over 40 other types of masks currently on the market. 
They found that masks made out of non-woven cloths, masks designed to block PM2.5, and ones that contain active carbon are all capable of blocking about 80 to 90 percent of the virus suspended in the air. The FDA official said that these alternative mask options offer adequate protection on public transport and in other close quarters. She said, though, that people who visit hospitals and clinics still have to follow the regulations and wear a surgical mask. Jake Chen, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. See you next week. Bye-bye. Hello and welcome to this week's Online brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. When people say it's just a health issue, it is never just a health issue because it's always related to politics. There's always political maneuvering involving it. Professor Edward Yishen Chen, a distinguished chair professor of political science department at Chinese Culture University, explains the political game and the impact of COVID-19 on the Washington-Taipei-Beijing relations. Professor Chen obtained his PhD in political science from Columbia University. The U.S. is one of the first countries that evacuated by air hundreds of Americans in Wuhan, China. In late January, when there was the outbreak of the COVID-19 or the coronavirus, and China criticized the U.S. response. Why? Uh, first, I think that China criticized the U.S. response that so early and so fast, when Washington did not have much confidence in Beijing's ability uh, in the second war against coronavirus. Second, U.S. responses were the lead or set up an example for other countries to imitate the way what the U.S. has done. And the third, uh, U.S. Uh, uh, quick response has uh, embarrassed China in a way Beijing is, is to lose their place in the world. And Professor Chen, uh, you mentioned that the U.S. actually does not trust the Chinese government with the number of cases uh, reported within China. So they decided to ev- evacuate the citizens. Now, mm-hmm. will this eventually lead to the lack of the trust on President Xi Jinping? Uh, I think so, because uh, first, uh, the development of the coronavirus uh, has been out of control. Uh, since early February, particularly uh, when President Xi himself said China must start a people's war against the coronavirus. And uh, second, when the Chinese learn more about uh, the, uh, the number of days caused by the uh, coronavirus, uh, 
the more likely they would uh, no longer place their trust uh, on him. Now, you mentioned that the coronavirus or COVID-19 is out of control right now in China. But uh, faced with the National People's Congress and the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference scheduled to, to take place in March, do you think that these two meetings uh, will be cancelled? Uh, I think uh, uh, not cancelled, but they just postponed. And uh, this also shows that uh, the, the coronavirus uh, uh, is uh, out of control, even uh, that China has to do something so that the, that the virus will not spread too, too quick. Thousands and thousands of members from different parts of China, if uh, the two meetings uh, convene, uh, will have to attend a meeting. And if the two meetings are postponed, as you mentioned, that will be the first maybe in 42 years. Now, do you think that this will cause an impact on the PRC political situation? Uh, first, I think uh, it proves that uh, China has to face uh, the problem caused by the coronavirus uh, itself. And the second, uh, China has conveyed uh, a message to the rest of the world that uh, China has to wage a war, a, a resistant war against the coronavirus uh, itself. And uh, third, I think uh, it also shows that the, the world economy will be affected by the coronavirus. Uh, Professor Chen, uh, many of our listeners might not know the importance of the National People's Congress and the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. Could you tell us the significance of these two meetings? Okay, uh, for the People's Congress, I think it is very important because nowadays uh, China has uh, claimed that uh, it will implement the policy according to the laws approved by the People's Congress. As for consultative uh, council uh, meeting, I think that it, it is uh, an organization for the purpose of United Front so that uh, the Communist Party can unite uh, with other political parties uh, in China to maintain harmonious society in China. Some compare these two meetings with the uh, lower house and the upper house and the parliament. Would you agree? Uh, uh, I don't agree. At China's uh, uh, no matter whether it is the People's Congress or Consultative uh, Congress, I will say that uh, it cannot be equivalent to, to the Western World's uh, Parliament or, or uh, Congress. And do you think that that will change in the future? Uh, it may change on an incremental basis, but not, uh, it, it is not foreseeable uh, in the future. Yeah. Now, even with the coronas, coronavirus outbreak or uh, COVID-19 outbreak, China has continued to boycott Taiwan's participation in the WHA, WHO as an observer. Mm-hmm. Now, eventually, the WHO agreed to invite Taiwan to join the technical meeting via the video conference under the name of Taipei on February 12th. Why do you think uh, so, Professor Chen? Mm, I think uh, China still invited the Taiwan experts to join a technical uh, video conference under the name of Taipei. Uh, largely because uh, uh, international political pressure and uh, humanistic uh, consideration. Uh, but uh, China will continue or keep on adopting a policy which will invite Taiwan to attend 
the WHA or WHO, when the uh, ruling party chose to take the 92 consensus and uh, uh, take it back, when the ruling party no longer chose to take the 92 consensus. So it suggested that China will take a very successful policy toward the Taiwan Constitution in the you're listening to On The Line brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong and today I'm speaking with Professor Edward Yixin Chan, a Distinguished Chair Professor of Political Science Department at Chinese Culture University in Taipei. Taiwan CDC said it was a closed-door meeting with Taiwan and Taiwan had to sign a confidentiality agreement. Why, uh, Professor? Okay, Taiwan was asked uh, to uh, sign a confidentiality agreement largely because uh, Taiwan can, well, in the eyes of China, uh, should not be uh, regarded as a sovereignty country. And uh, there is no wonder that uh, the WHO has been deeply influenced by, the, by China, as uh, Beijing has uh, uh, controlled the secretariat of the WHO for years. Many countries, including the U.S. and Japan, Canada, have asked the WHO to allow Taiwan to join the WHO. Now, do you think that Taiwan will be allowed to join under the name of Chinese Taipei, given the fact that uh, Taiwan does not agree to the 92 consensus? Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes without saying that uh, Taiwan uh, deserves uh, the participation in the WHO. Uh, nonetheless, uh, in the national society uh, is an occasion in which uh, uh, great powers uh, uh, always uh, enjoy a larger thing. The U.S. Uh, wanted to cut the budget for the WHO, and it mm-hmm. seems that uh, from a lot of reports that we have seen, it seems that the Secretary General of uh, the WHO has been in favor of uh, China. Has China played a very important role behind the WHO. Uh, yes, China has uh, played a very important role in the WHO, uh, particularly uh, in the decision-making process. And uh, this is why uh, the U.S., even the U.S., we know its donation to the WHO, China will uh, supply uh, the WHO with its own donation. Uh, I think uh, China has uh, controlled the secretary of the WHO for many years. And uh, this is something the United States uh, has uh, uh, shown a little interest uh, in, in, in joining uh, the, uh, in, in, in controlling the United Nations related agency or affiliated agency. Mm-hmm. When Taiwan first proposed the evacuation of its citizens, Originally, the Chinese government did not approve, as they said, evacuation happens only when foreign nationals live in China, and the Taiwanese have been well taken care of. But why did the Chinese government eventually agree to the evacuation on February 3rd? Uh, when Taiwan uh, first proposed the evacuation of, the, of its citizens, it asked China to allow China Airlines to transport the citizens from Wuhan to Taipei. Long blast in the eyes of a Chinese high-level officials. It either allows Taiwan to dispatch a plane to take uh, uh, its citizens back. It will be 
equivalent to view Taiwan as a, another country or foreign country. But the, later on, uh, they decided to evacuate Taiwan citizens uh, from Wuhan to Taipei because of uh, humanistic uh, consideration. And they used China Eastern Airlines, uh, an airline company from the PRC. Yeah, China Airlines, uh, in the eyes of uh, uh, PRC, uh, is a symbol of uh, sovereignty of Taiwan. And uh, if uh, China decides to uh, use its own uh, uh, Eastern companies of airplane, then there will be no such problem. So, faced with uh, the problem of coronavirus outbreak or a health uh, issue, politics uh, still plays a role here. Yeah, in the national community, uh, politics uh, is always uh, getting the upper hand over other issues, no matter whether it is an Olympic game or in the economical meeting. And which is why do you think, uh, Professor Chen, uh, the second batch uh, of uh, Taiwanese, they are still in Wuhan, they cannot come back to Taiwan because of the political issue that cannot be settled between Taiwan and China? I think uh, if Taiwan can take a flexible policy, its citizens uh, in Wuhan could be uh, transported to Taiwan, uh, Taipei. But uh, if Taiwan insisted to take turns uh, by sending airplanes uh, to China, I think China will take a very cautious uh, uh, attitude toward that. Chinese military crossed the median line of the Taiwan Strait on February 10th when everyone was still busy fighting the coronavirus outbreak. Why? Uh, I think uh, China uh, sent its uh, airplane, jet or jet, uh, to circle around the Taiwan uh, or even uh, pass through uh, the median uh, line of Taiwan State as a result of uh, various uh, conclusions. First, uh, it, it will continue to uh, implement uh, its uh, training program. And second, uh, it uh, will show the rest of the world that uh, it enjoys the sovereignty over Taiwan. And third, uh, it uh, also tries to give a warning to both the United States and Taiwan not to cross the red line. And so, with the coronavirus outbreak, um, how do you think the relations between Taiwan, China and the U.S. will had uh, in the near future? Uh, I think uh, Taiwan will keep an even closer uh, relationship with the United States because the U.S. Uh, always uh, shows uh, humanistic consideration and uh, positive policy toward Taiwan on Taiwan's participation in the WHO or WHA. Uh, nonetheless, uh, U.S. Uh, uh, assistance can only be regarded as a lip service because the United States can do little. Uh, in helping Taiwan to join uh, the WHO. Between Taiwan and China, I think, uh, in the eyes of many people in Taiwan, Taiwan's, uh, China's rejection of Taiwan's participation in the WHO will uh, result in dissatisfaction among Taiwan people. And uh, uh, the hatred between the two sides of Taiwan's state will increase and uh, we've been joined on the phone today by Professor Edward Ishin Chen. Professor Chen is a Distinguished Chair Professor of Political Science Department at Chinese Culture University. And Professor Chen obtained his PhD in Political Science at Columbia University in the U.S.
And that's it for this week's Underline, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening to us, and that's what we're Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.